worship you, magnify you, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord. You're worthy to be praised. Worthy, 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 worthy to be praised. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth to receive all blessing and glory and honor and power and praise. And so we love you, Lord. We give this time to you. Help us to understand what you want to communicate to us today. Enrich us, as you always do, with knowledge and understanding, revelation from your word. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So I want to talk to you today about the fact that you are free. Amen. You are free. I am free. All of the blood bought are free. And so we we need to, I guess, understand what we have been freed from. What are the powers that shackled us and bound us? You know, we all have different testimonies. We come from different places uh, to the Lord and for different reasons. But uh, and, and we were motivated somehow by something that had us bound, had us unhappy. Uh, we couldn't quite get uh, an answer the old-fashioned way like we've always solved problems. No answers came to us. So many times when you don't have an answer, you know the problem is spiritual. It's not natural. Uh, like for instance, if you... <clears throat> If you have a certain amount of money per month and you have a certain amount of bills to pay, all you have to do is decide how much you're going to pay each month. Hopefully you get to pay them all off and that's nice because you can live debt free. But if that's not the situation, it is not all the time. We we have run into different situations where we kind of have to make some adjustments. Uh, but all you have to do is sit down in the natural with pencil and paper, figure out how much you can pay this person, that person, and that person. And there's your natural solution to your problem. They aren't always spiritual. You know what I'm saying? There may be a spiritual component or aspect. You can always go to God for guidance on how to do these things and and enhance your outcome with the spiritual guidance. But sometimes you sit down and add up. What can I do? How do I manage this? What do I put over here? What do I put over there? And and it works out for you. Then there are some things that we come up against that there is no natural answer. And so that's usually the point at which we cry out to God. So we we've all we always we all did that as sinners. There was something that was a natural conflict but we couldn't find a natural answer to it so we had to go to the spirit realm to get and so so that's that was our first taste of the freedom of god is when he came into our hearts we were born again we were freed from the burden really of the life that we were living now many of the problems we come to him with initially when we get saved we might still walk in them for it. I mean they may not move quickly but something happened to us and so that something has to do with uh, the cross the power of the blood and the freedom that God gave us from the oppressor. The oppressor is the one who hides answers from us. He's the one who gives us an extra burden to carry. Uh, 
you know you think things can't get any worse than they do amen and so that's the devil that's his calling card uh, when you think you're at your wit's end you find out there's another end to your wit you know what i'm saying he can push you way far beyond and so um in luke chapter 4 this is what jesus promises you know he promises this uh, uh in 418 it says the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me and that really means poor in spirit that means you when you were out of answers he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those that were bruised to preach the acceptable year of the lord and so when he says acceptable year it means that this is it's now that time is now it's open to everybody now so from the time jesus got up and read the scripture in the synagogue until this present age it's been the acceptable year of the Lord or the acceptable time of the Lord. Then he, he finishes by saying this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So he allowed those who were hearing him to hear him announce his ministry. So this was Jesus announcing the beginning of his own ministry by letting people know that he is the one who was spoken of by uh, uh by the prophet here and and talked about the spirit of the lord i think that's isaiah if i remember correctly the spirit of the lord god is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and so when jesus announces this he immediately goes about doing his ministry he begins to teach people and he begins to do it under a new unction a new anointing it's possible that he was a teacher in the synagogue already but when the anointing of God came upon him for ministry he was able to elevate that into a place of the miraculous the acceptable year in times past it was just something that was prophesied but now it becomes the acceptable year so what jesus is saying is that anybody can receive him and receive their freedom you can receive your liberation you can receive your freedom freedom is worth more than anything as the citizens of venezuela you don't have to go real far to find people who are captive who can't get free who are in fear 24 7 don't know if they're going to have food to live the next day it's a horrible thing to have your freedom taken away from you and so jesus comes by his spirit so that he can liberate all men into the freedom that he has ordained for us to walk in so if you'll understand that the his spirit is on us so that he can preach to us and we can receive of the liberty and the freedom that is ordained for us he's really returning freedom to us you guys find it yet in luke chapter 4 new testament matthew mark luke and we're there amen so god wants us to walk in this freedom he wants us to walk in this liberty he wants us never to walk any other way
because he has paid for us to be free. He has paid for us to have the things that we desire freely given to us. Freely we have received, freely give. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to come out from the power of the devil. He wants more than anything for us to realize that freedom is probably the most important aspect of life. Men, when we, when we talk about the things that we, we hold dear, uh, the, the people that founded this nation founded it based on a concept that freedom does not come from a government, it comes from God. And so it's up to government not to hinder the God-given freedom that all men are supposed to have. And we're the only nation that, that's why people uh, harass us, fight us, now we're being fought from within. People with different ideas want to turn this whole thing around. But if God gave this nation to be founded, they're going to have to fight God to get it. You understand? I mean, now they can fight us, his people, and they can try and malign us and do all kinds of things. But they'll never be able to get this nation from God. It's survived too many things. Amen. You know, even Lincoln in the Gettysburg Address, he talked about the founding of the nation. He says, he said, he wonders. I'm just, I'm just paraphrasing. If a nation so dedicated and so founded can endure for very long, so people have always been challenged by the fact that. A tyrant could want to come in and take over. Or another government could want to come in and take over. Or people would start to use the laws that we have set up to work against the foundation that we have set up. And so, but it's endured in so many different, from so many different uh, kinds of attacks and onslaughts. Two world wars and, and wars that people, we, we've gotten into because of contracts and covenants with other nations, etc., United Nations and all that kind of stuff. But we have always survived. Why? Because God owns this, this country. People forget that. It's not owned by politicians and it's not owned by man. It's owned by God. And so as long as there are people here who want to serve God and worship him and obey him, this nation will stand strong. I'll tell you that much. He's not going to forsake a nation. He doesn't destroy anything that he creates. The devil's the destroyer. Amen. So God ordained that we would live free from all oppression. Amen. So free from all oppression. So the, his, his spirit has come to liberate all people who will believe. The acceptable year of the Lord means that it is open to everybody. Amen. <clears throat> so when he talks about the anointing, that's, that's not dependent upon somebody preferring somebody and giving them freedom. It depends on God's spirit visiting people to set them free. And that's a beautiful thing. You can talk to anybody you want to and pray for them and get them free from oppression. Just It's up to God's spirit to move you into that place to do that deed. It's just that simple. And so I think as long as we understand this, we can expect like every day. For God to put us in contact with somebody 
by his spirit that we can preach to them the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Every day. Believe God every day. God don't let a day go by that I don't get a chance to share you with somebody. I'll do it. I get to be a homebody sometimes. I say I'm not going out. I'm not. Yeah. You know it's cold. It's this is that. But I'll ask God. I said let somebody call me. You know, let me. Now I don't really answer my house too much. It's just bad people on there. It's bad people, but but I will. You know, talk. I'll expect God to put somebody in my path that I can share His life with. Amen. And so it's a simple thing to do. We could all do that. I mean, it's real easy to do. So. So always keep your expectors out to be able to set somebody free with the gospel. Amen. So it's not binding, it's freeing. You don't condemn people when you bring them to salvation. You let them know, listen, everybody's done something wrong. You know, there's things that we do, but you don't have to live in that anymore. God wants to set you free. And and it's just so simple. Just talk about what you know. Amen. So anyway, what things have we been freed from? So I thought we'd talk about some of these things so you can remember and you can continue to walk in your freedom. Because constantly the enemy is trying to bind us back up. He's always planting ideas in our head that make us think we're not right with God. We don't do this right or we can't have that. And If I don't have that, why don't I have it? Maybe I didn't do this right or that right. So, you know, he's seeking to bind us at all times. The other thing we have to look at, if you look at some of your major news networks, it's 24-7 negative report condemnation accusation the accuser of the brethren is rampant now and he's gotten a hold of the airwaves because he is the prince of the power of the air and see like many many of the people that have bought Christian ministers who bought TV and radio stations in the past they've always said well if one day the gospel won't be preached they won't let us get on major television anymore and that's why we got it you don't know why you're buying those stations you may be buying them so that people who can can refute the constant poor propaganda that comes out into the airwaves by people who are quick to condemn people who are quick to criticize there should be no voice for continual criticism because it comes from the pit of hell there should be no voice for that so when I pray my media prayer I ask God silence the voices and it's gotten to be at least 30 voices on there that I pray for him to silence I didn't say kill nobody I say do nothing. They don't need a voice to speak because they're not speaking truth. It's not building anything up. It's all lies. It's tearing people down. And it's not edifying. So when we preach the gospel, it's good news. Anything other than good news is bad news. So we don't want that out there. We want to get the gospel out and silence this nonsense. You don't have to sit up and listen to that. And you don't listen to anything that doesn't have truth in it. Why would you sit up and listen to a bunch of lies? Made up things and you know people gotten so bad now they don't even get credibility for some of the information they receive. 
a source, well, an undisclosed course source. They just want to put something out there that's negative, and so that's all demonic. It is all demonic because you can look at the people who are affected by it, and they're angry. Some of them are rabidly angry. Some of them will go up to somebody that uh, wears a t-shirt or a hat they don't like and punch them just out of nowhere. That's demonic. That's not normal. You know, and as Christians, you can't just sit back and, and look at that and say, oh, well, that's too bad. No, you pray against it. You pray to shut that down. Silence the voices that keep people evil, people stirred up to do evil deeds. And so we, we have to really understand that some of this is is not freedom of speech some of it is oppressive speech and some of it is is hate mongering and anger mongering all of that stuff so we have to as believers stand against it that's our job our job is to bring peace blessed are the peacemakers because they are the sons of god amen so the sons of god bring peace with them so it's always good to remember our role. We're not spectators. You don't sit and just watch stuff happen. But you see people assaulting other people. You ask God you bind that devil up. And you say God we want to silence people who are trying to stir them up and provoke them to wrath and into agitation. So you know we're a law abiding country. We have to obey our own laws. This can't make excuses for everything. And so when you understand what we're up against. And God's depending on us to bring peace. And order. And freedom. And liberty. And all of the things that the cross represents. That's the gospel too folks. It's not just giving your testimony to somebody. And and inviting them to church. Or praying for them or whatever. It's defending the freedom and the liberty that Jesus died to bring to all men. You should be free to talk anything you want to talk as long as you're not provoking anybody. Amen. When you start provoking people and speaking evil and perpetrating lies it's time to be quiet. Amen. We don't we don't like that. We don't that is not coming from God. We want God's voice to be heard because it will bring freedom to people. It'll bring life, hope, love, it'll bring everything that this world needs. So we want to hear God's voice above all other things. So the first thing I believe we'll talk about that uh, God has freed us from is fear. Men, because the devil is the king of fear. Amen. He uses fear as a weapon against all of humanity throughout all ages. Now, Second Timothy one seven tells us our position about fear. Amen. Now he says God didn't give it to us. So when you see people using fear as a weapon or fear as a tactic to get what they need, to get what they want, to get their way, you know it's not coming from God. Amen? So fear, now now there is a place where the Bible says fear God, the fear of the Lord. That that Old Testament fear, see the Second Timothy one seven is a New Testament scripture. So that is the spirit of fear. It's the the uh um uh unnatural spiritual force that brings a response of intimidation. 
that brings that seeks to control people control their minds control their lives it's demonic so in second timothy 1 7 is talking about the demonic fear but he says second timothy 1 7 he has not given us the spirit of fear so if it's a spirit you have authority over it don't worry about people deal with the spirit he has not given us a spirit of fear what's the opposite of fear well power love and a sound mind it has so many components to it but he's given us his own spirit so he didn't give us fear he gave us his own spirit and that is the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind amen so we can have that in exchange for fear and see when the enemy gives us fear he's trying to drive God's power out of our lives because you can't reach for God if you're you're being crushed by concern for everything you don't want to say anything you don't want to speak up you don't want to talk to anybody you don't want to witness to anybody you know uh, that's always a time where he'll send that spirit against us but see when when you go out to witness sometimes you get a little nervous and what am i going to say you know that everybody goes through that and so what god will do then is put his power on you and then that boldness comes out amen when you get in the place where you really need it all you have to do is shake out of that fear and let your faith take over and power and love and a sound mind fear will drive you crazy there are so many people who have lost their minds due to fear and so we have to understand when these things aren't good for us these spiritual forces that are not good for us don't blame people for what you experience i'll just give you a tip because if you continually look at what people say what people do you 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 have that flesh and blood thing that you continually wrestle with the devil is deceiving you and and so he's working behind the scenes but if he can keep you focused on flesh and blood then you're defeated already because people are not our enemies i keep telling people that you know and and, and the more you believe it the more you'll be victorious over it because you identify the root cause of the problem for real and then you can deal with it and overcome it but if you're constantly they don't let me do this and they said this and they didn't you know, and he make me feel like this and you don't do this for me and you don't do that you keep doing that and you're going to be oppressed by the enemy you've opened the door for fear to dominate in your life for fear to run your life and for fear to make you feel inferior make you feel captive so you really traded off your liberty and put yourself back in a cage again your mind will wander like that and so you've got to have a sound mind you've got to say god you didn't give me that spirit and that's not coming from from human beings that's coming from the devil amen and satan i take authority over you and i receive my power love and a sound mind i receive the holy spirit and i thank you holy spirit for empowering me amen and and let that go because he'll put anything some people get in strife continually with other people 
and some kind of conflict. Well, that's a spirit. If you take authority over the strife and say, I'm not going to receive you. I'm not in conflict with anybody. I'm in peace with all men. I don't have any enemies. And I don't. I got one enemy and I know who he is. And I have authority over him. He's not formidable. You know he's sneaky. I got to keep a guard and a watch over my own soul. I got to watch what I let go in my ears and my eyes and all that kind of thing. To keep him off of me. Keep him off of controlling my life. But I don't take up enemies with people. It's so ridiculous to me. You know, I mean, even when I was married, my husband and I would get into conflicts and stuff like that. I would come back to us and say, God, he is not my problem. You've got to get too many people out of your problem category. So you've got too many people in your problem category. And, and with most people, it's always an authority figure. Why? Because your flesh fears authority. Your flesh doesn't trust authority. Your flesh will always have conflict with authority. Huh? So we have to get out of that. We have to free ourselves from that first. So that when we go to God we can expect good things. We can expect answers to prayer. We can expect all those things because we're living right. We're not holding anything against any human being. We're not in strife with anybody. We're not in conflict with anybody. Because the accuser of the brethren sits on our shoulders constantly. Wanting to point the finger. Well they don't do this or they don't do that. Or you know they always do this. Or they always you know it's all constant. You got to knock him off your shoulder. Tell him to listen I'm not interested in that. I haven't been interested in that since what are, what are you the day you got saved. You understand? <laughs> Just take him back to your history and tell him we're not going there. But if we don't conquer fear, if we don't kick it out of our lives as a spirit, it will continually harass us and eventually dominate us. We'll, we'll avoid people because we don't want to or we'll, we'll start to accuse people because we, we have some fear working there that keeps us from the freedom of doing what we're supposed to do. So it's a good thing, amen, to have freedom from fear. It's a good thing to have uh, uh, that knowledge of who you are. How did fear leave? Man, how did it leave? Well, God redeemed us. He bought us out of that power. We've been purchased. That's why it, it's it's pretty much considered illegal for fear to harass you, because it can claim no ownership of you anymore. Now you can submit to it if you want to, and people often do. Amen. We, you know, come on now. You fear is very, very subtle. Many times we fear, uh, we fear criticism. So we ready to jump on it the minute a word comes out that says we need to correct something. We're ready to pounce. So what made you ready to pounce? Is fear. So you're afraid of negative words coming towards you. 
For a lot of different reasons. Well, you know, but people don't like it. Nobody likes it. Yeah. And so sometimes you're in a in a mindset where you don't want to hear one more negative thing about yourself and you pounce against the person that speaks it. Even if it's to correct you, and correction can be helpful. Amen. And so we the people are made this way. You can't undo how you're made. So but what you can do is walk in the spirit. So you're not bothered by that. Amen. People will say anything they want to about you and to you and you don't even go to your own defense. You know, you can get a lot of fights with a lot of people just on Facebook just by assuming they're talking about you because they're talking about people who are like you. They'll make comments about ministers. Ministers need to do this and ministers I just smile and either delete them, hide the post or do you know. Because why should I let that go by and let it be spread to somebody else that it's not for? And who are you to tell somebody what God's told them to do? I don't know what God told you to do as a minister. I'm not going to criticize you. I'm trying to take care of my business over here. You understand? And so there are many things that are enticing that we can get involved in if we just want trouble if we just want to we want to assert ourselves you know what i'm saying and so we have to learn how to pass those things up because you start getting involved in strife it's easy you can pick up strife off of a comment and carry strife around with you all day understand what i'm saying it'll put you in a bad mood or a good mood or whatever you know if somebody directs something at you and god gives you a wise answer give them a wise answer you know, uh, sometimes people want to criticize your your teachings on there. You know, I've found most people don't. But every now and then, yes, I disagree. And as somebody that never reads it, they just read it this day. And they're in a bad mood and want to get involved with you. And so I'll just put on there, I'll say, I'll repeat and I'll put the scripture on there. I say, this is what the word of the Lord says and leave it. And if they're stupid, they'll keep wanting to make another comment. But most people don't. You show them that it's scriptural and they leave you alone. Because they're not coming from a place of scripture. They're coming from opinion. Something religious, something they heard, something they always believed. And they got rankled by what you said. But I'm not going to stop sharing God's word on Facebook. I feel like that's something that he's given me to do to reach out to people. I get enough encouragement from people who will tell me things like, since I really needed to hear that. And some people continually repost what I put up there. So I put something on there so they will have something to share with others as well. So there are some people who are serious about serving God. That's who I want to reach. You know, and the people who, you know, here and there, there are some people that will get interested and follow for a while. And so, but you can't stop doing things because people try to put fear in you by challenging what you say it's not my word it's God's word you know so let's just you know be friends not be friends but just move on but it doesn't put me in fear about sharing the word of God amen some of this other little stuff people get involved in these political things and you know a selfie every day and you know I just you know got a new outfit on every time you look up there and you think oh man and so you just click like and keep moving you know what I'm saying you just 
Don't get in no trouble with nobody. But I wish you find something to do besides take your picture every day. You know what I'm saying? Huh? I mean we do have scripture that encourages you not to do that. But anyway, I won't go there. Yeah, let's let them have their fun. It's social media. So, you know, whatever, let them have it. So, but anyway, so, uh, but, but, uh, Psalm 27, even uh, under the old covenant, the people of God had protection against fear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So even before they had redemption through the blood, they could stand under the shadow of the Almighty. Some of the best scriptures, anti-fear scriptures, are in the Old Testament. Amen? Psalm 23, Psalm 91. It's all over the, the Psalms that, that we have protection against fear. So, so there is darkness that can overtake us. So he's our light. Darkness always brings fear. Man, it does. Because, you know, if you go out uh, on your street at night, you're only going to walk so far in the dark. You're not going to chance it because anything can happen in darkness. So when we fear God, though, he perfect protects us from all harm. So he's our light and our salvation. So he will guide your path, show you the way. I'm telling you living by faith is sometimes stepping out. The first step might be dark. You know it might not be much out there for you to feel secure on. But but God will come in and overtake and get that fear off of you of going forward. If you never step out into faith you will never see fear disappear. It will never be dissipated in your life. It will never come away from your life. It will always be there. So if, if we can understand that God's spirit brings light to us. It brings confidence to us. It brings a pathway to us. And we will never fear anything. Amen. So <clears throat> if we uh, we uh, um, never ever attach fear to human beings or events. Amen. There's some things it's just wisdom to you know you don't go and try to start walking a tightrope. Across two buildings, you know, you've never been on a tightrope before. So sometimes fear can can provide a safety avoidance from natural danger. But we're talking about the spirit of fear that comes up upon you and causes a negative emotional reaction on the inside of you. Sometimes we fear um, uh, processes in life. For instance, if you've been um, estranged from a family member that you used to be friends with. You had a falling out or something like that. This is the old Jacob and Esau story. You fear reconciling. Because if you haven't seen them in years, you don't know who's told them what or what they might think. Or or even the enemy will give you little, you ever have people want to bring you little tidbits of information? So you could stop that. You take authority over that and tell them, don't you send me one more person here to give me any gossip or any news about somebody. You understand? You don't get your information from the devil. You get it from God. 
Amen. Now some people aren't discerning and they'll just listen to everybody. And that's one way to really stay confused. The Lord spoke to me recently about a family member. And he said that our relationship would change. And I have prayed off and on over the years. And sometimes I think, oh, well, I'm just going to quit praying. And you know you know how that goes. But recently he assured me that that would improve. He would mend that relationship. And I'm saying, God, you think about everything. But see, it couldn't happen before we were both ready. You understand? So we have to, we have to respect that once you pray for something like that, you've got to trust God to make the appointment for the reconciliation. You can't force it. You can't make it happen. But you have to, because these things are very delicate and they can backfire on you in a moment's notice because you've, you're too anxious about it. You get, sometimes you get on this high horse thing. Well, I got a right to do this. Who they think they are telling me I can't. You, you understand what I'm saying? We can get stupid real quick with our so-called love. And so we have to allow God, respect God and respect people. You know what I'm saying? If he doesn't open the door, don't you try to blast through it. You know, I learned that over the years. You know, I I get so nervous that, you know, I'm at odds with somebody and I got to make peace and all that. And then, you know, you call them up and they cuss you out or slam the phone down or don't answer when you call. You got to stop that stuff. You got to let God handle these things. What do you think he's God for? So he'll do it in the right season. We get anxious for nothing. Amen. He says, don't be anxious for anything. But let your request be made known to God. And just accept his peace and let him make the next step. If there's a next step. You got me? Sometimes it's just, hey, you don't bother me. I don't bother you. It's all love when we see each other. You know, sometimes you're not going to get real close to people. But you can have peace with them. And you can have a pure heart toward them as far as God is concerned. That's what you want. That's what you want. So he will, uh, the spirit, uh, um, uh, oftentimes when fear is trying to get into your life, it will attach itself to people or events so that you can, it, you can keep it in your life. For instance, you'll feel nervous. And what does your mind do? I wonder what I'm nervous about. wonder what that's about. Or you look around to see what caused it. Nothing caused it. The devil, he just came up to you and said, boom, poked you. And see, what he's expecting you to do is try to attach a person or an event or something, some activity to it so that he can stay in your life. That's how he stays in your life. You embrace it by attaching some meaning and significance to it. So if you resist it and say, no, I'm not receiving fear. I'm not scared of anything. Amen. That's just a feeling. I'm not receiving you. Amen. I have power and love and a sound mind and I'm not receiving any fear. And just don't let it come into your life and it won't dominate you. Amen. It will not dominate you. So it it will attach itself to certain events and people and camouflage itself. So that we won't move against it. See we won't recognize it for what it is. And realize we don't have to embrace it. You don't have to embrace it. The self 
or the old man his faults and strength those are some of the things also that we have been set free from man so the first one you've been set free from fear you've been set free from yourself and when i say self i mean the old man with his faults his strengths his demands and his cravings so you can see the old man is pretty extreme about most things he don't know when to quit he has no quitting sense and no stopping point man we have been crucified with christ now that is a spiritual fact when you accept his life living in you that means that your old man has been crucified just like he was crucified amen but in in many things he tries to live again amen so there is a warfare that you must do i would say it's more of a vigilance it's not you know fighting 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 and sweating 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 and it's not hard it really isn't because god has has given us instruction on how to uh to get free from the cravings of the old man the old man really craves to live in us again he doesn't have much of a life though if you've been crucified you're a whole lot weaker than when you were walking around on two legs so your old man even though he may be speaking to you and talking to you and craving this and craving that he's weak the blood of Jesus can annihilate him again in two seconds because it annihilated him at the cross when you receive Jesus Christ you receive the work of the cross the finished work of the cross so your old man was crucified rendered lifeless and annihilated but there is a ghost of him left in your soul the way he bugs you is he gets help from the demonic realm now think about it you 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 got saved and you went on a hallelujah trip and somehow your flesh didn't bother you for a long time well those of you who remember that far come on think about it everything was wonderful you hop skipped and danced through life you told everybody about Jesus you dragged people to church with you every any meeting you were going to you went through the trouble to go and find somebody take them with you because you want everybody to know about this wonderful thing that happened to you that proves to you that your old man is dead he's crucified if he had any strength he would never have let you do any of that but God allowed you the freedom from your old self so that you could experience his life and know it's real so everybody has evidence remember the old song I looked at my hands my hands was new I looked at my feet and they were too changed my life changed my soul yeah and so that's the experience folks now if your old man had any strength why well how did he step aside and let you do all of that rejoicing in God 
If he had any power, the way the way flesh and the devil works, it it works not to let you ever experience anything in God. So you think it's not real. Well, I didn't get saved for real. Well, nothing really happened to me. Now this is true for some people. They'll go through the motions of a confession. And it's not heartfelt. Man, you just keep praying for them. But when that power of God comes into your life, your new man comes alive. And you find out he's much more powerful than your old man. In fact, what most people do is when they find themselves slipping back into old patterns, they panic. Because they know the new life is real. They'll say, well, what happened to me? I was doing good. I was doing this. I, was do- I wasn't doing that anymore. And then all of a sudden. Hmm? So now you know there's a conflict going. So what do you do when the old man rears up? You go back to the word. The same word that saved you is the same word that's going to keep you saved. You get into your word. That's where you find your new man's life. That's why you that's how you keep him alive. Keep him strong. Keep your joy. Keep your happiness. Keep your 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 ability to live free over all the power of darkness. That's how you keep it. You get yourself in your word. You know, you go to your first Bible study or first church and people will start giving you scriptures. You go to the altar. I'm worried with this, this, and this, and this. And they say, well, the word of God says. And you say, well, I can do this. You know, you know what I'm saying. And you can. It's it's so that you will develop a pattern of feeding your inner man. Letting him get stronger and stronger. And your old man stays weak. But I'm telling you your old man is in pitiful shape. All he can do is beg to live again. But there's not much left to him. His legs are broken. Huh? He's all full of pain. He's, you know what I'm saying. He's, he's been crucified. He's been damaged. There's not much left of him. Amen to the life of the old man you prove it to yourself all the time you get up in the morning and the first thing you want to do is pray at least for a season you know sometimes you let him creep back in and tell you you don't have to do that you know we fall for that stupidity until all hell breaks loose you say you know what I do have to do that (laughs) I thought I didn't have to but I do I do have to do that and so it's a it's a discipline then your Christian walk becomes a discipline it becomes a way of life it becomes something that you master allow it to dominate your life and overtake and and all that kind of stuff so the old man always craves to live again he's always whining and crying and trying to get attention you don't treat me good. You don't do this enough. You don't do that. So, and, and you can just starve him. Just let him starve. Let him cry. Amen. So, I mean, he's, he's like the, the person that gets a secondary gain out of the attention that they get for their, their weaknesses, you know. Uh, a, a mother's experience is raising children. You know, the baby, he likes to be held, he likes to be fed, he likes, see the holding and the rocking is kind of like a secondary to the feeding. Because you know you got to feed him, that's your main objective. And you, you show him love and security and come, but sometimes they start to, nya, nya, you know, you put him down, nya, 
And they're full. They're dry. They're all of the above. But they want the secondary. Which is very important for them. But, but see we learn very early how to scream for what we want. So your old man is screaming for life. He wants to look. Ooh, let me get at him. Oh, tell him. Give him peace of my mind. Oh, you can't talk to me like that. That's your old man. That ain't your new man. <laughs> if he is, we got to check him out a little bit more. But uh, you understand what I'm saying. That arrogance, that boldness, that, that tendency toward self. You know, promoting self. Amen. Being boastful. All the things that love is not. That's what your old man is. And he wants to run your life and, and run it in the ground. He knows he has no strength anymore. He knows he's not as powerful as your new man. But he hopes you don't know it. That's his quest. Is to keep that knowledge hidden from you. From his constant demands and constant cravings. See I've had people come up to the altar and. Oh I can't stop sleeping around. Or I can't stop taking drugs. Sure you can. You can. God's provided a way for you to do that. Are you saved? Yeah, well you've got all the power you need to resist anything. This is demonic power. You have authority over all the works of darkness. First order of business, work on yourself to make yourself believe that. So you got to get in the word. If you're still running around with your old buddies, stay home and get in the word. And you'll find out the power you have. See, you can't you can't get power out of something that you don't ignite, you know, with what empowers it. So you you will never get an understanding of who you are in Christ if you don't feed your Christ man. You gotta feed him continually. You gotta feed him the word all the time. You know, I tell that and I tell young people, I said, You tell your little friends. You can you can do anything but you need God's help. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This is not the end of the road for you. This is not something that's going to defeat you. God has set you free. He's already set you free. Just accept your freedom. And now you've got to feed your freedom. Amen. We have to feed our freedom. So the old man, he doesn't have much of a life and he knows it. But he's going to keep clawing. Amen. He's going to keep at it. His power is greatly diminished because of the cross. So he has to usurp power and deceive you into letting him have power again. Amen. So he wants to to get you to uh, not have confidence in your spirit man. You know, you think you're, well you've only been saved, you know, X, X, X amount long and you couldn't be strong enough to resist that or you couldn't be that God's not expecting you to not ever uh, touch this or not ever look at that or it's normal to do that you know all that stuff he's got a gospel that he preaches too so he'll your your conscience and your soul uh, your unregenerated soul a part of your soul that hasn't been uh, bought over with the word will start to to put you in conflict with God and if you listen to it, let me get this straight. If you listen to it long enough, you'll start to believe it. And you'll believe that you're just as weak, if not more so, than you were before you got saved. The devil just runs right over you. 
Get you to do almost anything. And you sit back and look. I don't know how I got that bad. I've been saved for you. Uh, right. And so you, you you have to. It's by what you give your attention to. That's why Proverbs 4 tells us to say. Attend to my word. It says my son. That means that some of you have an inheritance. That's what God's saying. He says you're my son. I'm going to tell you how to get your inheritance in me. Attend to my word. Incline your ear to my saying. Don't listen to anything other than what I tell you. And if you do that, you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. You'll have life and health. You have everything that you need. But if you continue to listen to the dictates of your flesh man, you're going to lose everything. So, the flesh man has a hard way to go. Amen. But his strength is the fact that he knows your past and he knows your weaknesses. So that's why Paul says forget the things that are behind. That never happened. Press. What you mean that never has is what I said. As far as the court of heaven is concerned it never happened. And you got to reckon yourself dead to it. Do you think Jesus is up there uh, keeping a list of all the things we've done wrong? He says he don't do that. So you got to believe him. He doesn't do it. I remember reading about a minister that while they were a minister they were divorced. And uh, I heard somebody say that that person spoke to God about it and God said what divorce? Well you remember my divorce? It never happened. Oh interesting. And the preacher that quoted that said he said most of you who are fairly new in the Lord won't believe this and I was one of those and I said well what about what about people that I hurt <laughs> oh I'm forgiven they're forgiven <laughs> And cut it out. Quit digging up under the blood of Jesus trying to find somebody's sin. Huh? The blood covers for a reason. So it can't be dug up anymore. Even under the old covenant the blood covered. In the new covenant it, it purges us. It eradicates. It does even more. But it is covered. Both and under both covenants. So that means you don't dig it up anymore. And try to accuse somebody and make them wear that again. Can't make you wear nothing that doesn't fit you anymore. Amen. Your flesh man was all weak and piddly and crazy. Your spirit man's got all these muscles now. The stuff that fit your old man don't fit your new man. Uh, your new man said, I don't look right in that. That ain't fitting me. That ain't my stuff. Amen. 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 We've got to stay in the word until we really believe this stuff, folks. Because I'm telling you, the problem with a lot of Christianity is we don't let people get faith in the basics of the faith. And we're trying to say, oh, you got greatness in you, but you don't know what I did last night. 
And if what you did last night is keeping you from believing for better things, you got to stay right there until you get sold on what the blood can do for you and has done for you. Don't try to move people out into all this wonderful stuff. And they can't let go of their past. You know, tell them to stay in the word until they really believe it. That's what I, that's what you do. You stay right there on that scripture, feeding, meditating, putting it in you until you really believe it. That's the same thing with anything. Getting healed. You gotta stay with a healing scripture until you really believe it. But I do believe it will keep staying with it. I'm talking about really. <laughs> yeah, you gotta really believe it. Amen. So, so uh, the old man knows about your past. That's all he has. He has no idea about your future. He knows it's better than where you're at now. That's why he likes to keep you in the past. Amen. So, he, he you know, your old man has demonic help, accusation, guilt, torment, fear, all that stuff. When you find yourself getting that heaped on you, you've stepped out. Nobody can make you do. Nobody held you at gunpoint and made your mind wander. You let your mind wander. Okay? So, the, he will wait, work through our insecurities. Amen? Which are part of the flesh. You need to confess you don't have any and act like it. So, when things come up that used to make you nervous, you have to learn how to resist them. If you have no insecurities, you need to act like it. Some people like pity, so they'll talk about their insecurities. You need to talk about them to God. Say, God, can you deliver me from this? I don't like this. This is a hindrance. This is not from Christ. I don't receive it. So let's get it out of my life so I can be free to do what you want me to do. So they have no power anymore. Yeah, insecurities have no power anymore, nor your and your desires you can still fulfill through prayer. Some desires are mixed. Say, for instance, if you want um, a new car, or you want a car, you need a car. Let's put it that way. It's new to you. I'll say you want a new to you car, because people get real hung up on you know phrases you know things like that and so what you need to do is decide what the way I make purchases I decide what I'm going to pay for it that's because that's really going to be the bottom line well you you know what do you want to pay for it well I want a free car God okay Barb free car might take you a little work take your work for your faith blah 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 you don't have a car now so what you want to pay for you know what I'm saying so as close to free as I can but whatever you know so you make that decision and so then you set about asking God to find it for you Bring it to me, Lord. Whatever, you know, however you want to do this, you know, I'm just open to it. And, well, what do you, what do we want it to look like? Well, you know the, the, the type of car, you're not sure the year, cause, you know, if you're gonna get it at a low cost or whatever, it's gonna have some years on it, no doubt, but that doesn't mean anything because you're doing this by faith. So you let your faith start to work. 
then all of a sudden somebody says, well, you can get a new car for almost what you. Why don't you just go, nope, I'm not going to have a nope, nope, I'm not going to do, nope, 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 nope. And so you make up your mind, once you make up your mind about your desire and you keep it over in the spirit, don't transfer it over into the flesh. Because flesh wants stuff too. Flesh wants to get you in debt. Flesh wants to get you in trouble. Flesh wants you to buy something on looks and not wisdom. All that kind of stuff. And so you you make up your mind how you're going to do these things. And so once you do that, then your fight is to keep it over in the spirit. Because the enemy will try to entice you over into the flesh so that you go to You know, he likes to get you at the dealership. Where the salesman can start to take control over your desires. All that kind of stuff. So you you know you you use some wisdom. Let God keep help you keep it in the realm of the spirit where it can work out according to his plan and your agreement and what to do. And that's really how you work in life. You keep your desires connected to God at all times. Well, God's going to do this for me. I know it will come up and I know he's going to work it out for me. I'm going to have to use a bit of patience and I'm going to have to use a bit of endurance. I'm going to have to rebuke the devil and tell him to let it go. Because he'll try to hold it, keep it from you so that you can't find it and you can't enjoy it. And so you do the warfare over your promise. You do the warfare over what God wants to do in your life. So Romans 6.11 tells us. Let me find that because I want to read that one. Romans 6. Chapter uh, verse 11. Likewise reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive unto God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Or alive unto righteousness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you can do the right thing. You can have enough faith to do these things. You can have. You understand. You're alive to righteousness. And you're dead to sin. Well what does that mean? Reckon yourselves dead to sin. Some people if they if they commit a sin. Then they get deflated. And, but you have to reckon yourself dead to sin. And what that what the word reckon really means to take an inventory. Not of what you do and what you did wrong, but it just means to search your heart and your mind for what you believe. When you say reckon, that means you take A, B, C, and D and add it up and you make up your mind you're dead to sin. I don't care what the devil throws. See, it doesn't matter what you add up. You can add up every wrong thing you've done all your life. But at the end of your thinking, at the end of your reckoning, after at the end of your conclusion, your estimate, and your deciding, you've got to come up with the right answer. And the right answer is you're dead to sin. Which means you have no interest in it. It's not going to come to life in you anymore. It's not going to dominate your life and you're not going to be afraid of it. Because many times Christians get ensnared because they're afraid they can't resist. And your mind will get obsessed with failing. And guess what happens? You fail. 
But guess what else happens? God will forgive you if you will confess it. See that's what we don't want. We don't want the process of reestablishing righteousness. We think we're better if we never do any wrong. Like we can take credit for it. Well it wasn't your idea to not do wrong to begin with. You just thought about that since you got saved. Your life up until then, when you weren't thinking about right and wrong, you think about fun, huh? All I wanna do is have some fun. I got a feeling that I'm not the only one. Hmm? That's all you thought about before you met God, huh? Hey, everybody out there trying to finish the song now. They say, "Well, how did?" <laughs> Till the sun comes up over Santa Monica Boulevard. Listen, Nene used to sing that with me. That's, <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. That's all you thought about was having fun all night long. You went home when the sun came up. Hello. <laughs> so now that you're in Christ, you can think about righteousness. You can think about doing the right thing. That concept came to you when you found God. You had no ability to do anything right before you. Now you could do some things you thought were right. But they weren't righteous. They don't count towards you toward righteousness. So you know anything you did out of the flesh. It won't just flesh and blood won't glory in his presence. And it won't inherit the kingdom either. Amen. So you must consider yourself dead to sin. Well God I don't care how many times I mess this up. And how many times you have to correct me. I am dead to sin. So you conclude that you are dead to sin. Amen. You look at your past and say you're dead to me. I'm not going back there. Amen. And alive to righteousness. Amen. So we're free from sin. We are also free from the penalty of sin and from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is the judgment against us and it is also the penalty of sin. Now this is where religious people will go crazy. They think you got to pay for something you do wrong. I don't care how saved you think you get. Huh? That's what religion does. Well, because you'll find yourself sometime picking it up. You'll start beating yourself up. You said the wrong thing. You you offended somebody. You did, and that's going to happen. The Bible says offenses will come. Why are you getting in a harangue about it? Because you probably think you don't do anything wrong. See that little old religious person in all of us is yeah, you feel better if you get to the end of the day and you I didn't do anything wrong, God. Huh? And it's only you should you should say what you should say is God, I thank you that you kept me from sin today. We can get real nutty sometimes. Real nutty. Galatians 3.13 tells us Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Which means when that word redemption means that you have been purchased out of that power. A ransom has been paid for you spirit, soul, mind and body. 
So because that ransom was paid, it cannot be canceled. Because you didn't pay it. So if you've been ransomed, it's been paid already. You didn't walk out of it. You didn't buy yourself out of it. You didn't purchase yourself out of it. You accepted the ransom that was paid by somebody and not you. Hmm? People who are kidnapped never pay their own ransom. They got to wait for a family member. Or somebody. You know people sometimes you find these executives that you know they'll go to the company and the company will help the family or something like that. Kidnappings are very prevalent in Mexico and South America. It is horrible. It's horrible. There was a woman that she, I don't know, I think she and her family owned a business. They found her body. They decapitated her. A young woman, 30 small children. Do you think the devil cares? Couldn't come up with the money. The family couldn't. It's horrible. It's horrible. So you can't pay for yourself to get out of this. You got to wait for your redeemer. And he's here. He's already paid the price for you and for me and for everybody else. So the curse has no power over us even when we sin. Why? Because the Bible says if you sin or when you sin you have an advocate with the father. So the Father's sitting in heaven. Your lawyer sitting on his right side. And you come before the court of heaven. And the best thing to do is lawyer up. Say I have nothing to say. Except I please forgive me. And my plea is the blood is what will cause me to stand here and be established. Huh? Guilty as charged. Please forgive me. That's your transaction. See that's pleading the blood. When you say forgive me that's the blood. It gets applied to you. Why we don't want to say forgive me to God I have no idea. It's just, it's just like praying for anything else. It's a confession you make. Amen. You know, Lord, please forgive me. I see that. I, I just, you know, whatever. But I plead the blood. Don't say no more. Don't try to make excuses. If you make excuses, you'll wind up repeating it again. See, an excuse, that's what it becomes. You excuse yourself instead of getting your heavenly pardon. Big difference. You start excusing yourself from stuff. Huh? Or defending yourself. Like you have a defense for it. You don't have one. Not a legitimate one. Not one higher than what God can give you. I was uh, riding, uh, driving recently and speeding and got pulled over for speeding. I used to pray all the time, God please don't let me speed. Don't let me get pulled over with cocoa in the back seat of the car I know it's just a disaster in the making and lo and behold she was in there but I was in the ministry van she never even knew what was going on praise God so the officer comes up and he says man I said no don't tell me I said I was speeding he said yeah I said officer I am so sorry and so I told him I said I just wasn't watching or what I said I have no excuse I said you just caught me so he asked for my driver's license and insurance of course I got about 15 insurance cards none of them 
for what I'm driving. He said, oh, well, that looks like it's for another car. I said, oopsie, excuse me again. He said, oh, I'm just going to give you a warning. He said, you, you, you know, we'll just slow down. So it was all cool. But the first thing you do is confess. Don't try to defend yourself. We have a higher court that we answer to. You know what I'm saying? He 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 works for God. He will do what God tells him to do on my behalf. And I don't have to defend myself. I have a lawyer who speaks for me. So Jesus told him what to do and he did it. And that was the end of it. And I thank God for it. I thank God for my advocate. Amen. When, when Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, he paid for the penalty phase of any trial we get into. You got me? When, when uh, uh, Jesus said at the cross, his, his instructions or his plea or his prayer at the end of his crucifixion was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And that was given to the whole world. That was to forgive the sins of the world. He wasn't just talking to people. Come on y'all. Come on now. Let's get with it. He was talking to you and to me. Because when we came into Christ we had no idea we were living apart from God. Or we, you know, we needed all this or whatever it was. And so we, we all are extended that invitation to forgiveness. So we took it. Amen. First John one nine says, if we confess our sins, so we have to take responsibility for what we have done. Most courts will be more lenient with people, they say, who show what they call remorse. If you show no remorse, they tend to throw the book at you. Because they feel like you need to spend time behind bars just to learn right from wrong. So God has already, we know God's law, we know when we sin, we know what we've done. And he says, own it. So if you own it and then you confess it, you have to take responsibility for what you do a lot of this grace teaching it teaches irresponsibility like you never do anything wrong in God's eyes and you well, how come I can't get a prayer answer how come I don't have peace in my life how come this is wrong and that's wrong and so never let your sin mount up don't let it pile up and pile up and pile up because your soul can't handle the pressure of trying to figure out, shake it off of you and get it off of you some other way. You have to confess it. Hmm? So when we confess, we take responsibility for our deeds before God and man. But God takes it from there. What happens to it from there is God's responsibility. So as we confess them, God is able to take the penalty, the burden... The guilt, the condemnation, you purge from and you're cleansed from all unrighteousness. Just your confession is what leads to your cleansing. Don't leave the throne room without the assurance that you're cleansed. You got me? You stay there. You let God help you. 
You let him purge your conscience from dead works. What the problem with many Christians we walk around hiding from sin, hiding what we do, putting a happy face on before people, pretending, amen. And deep down then some some devil pokes us and we go off, you know, proving to ourselves, oh I'm no good, it's not that, you just got sloppy about taking care of your soul, amen. You got to get this stuff off your soul. So, <clears throat> You, you, uh, um, if you quit defending yourself and confess your sins, you have to let the charges stick at least for a while. You understand? You gotta consider what you've done. You know what I'm saying? You say, oh man, listen, look at that, I messed that up again. I got mad at my husband or I got, you know, you understand what I'm saying. You, that's how you reckon. See, you reckon. Your charges, you reckon what you've done, and you come to the conclusion, God, I am sorry, and please forgive me, and and cleanse me, and and let me go free according to your word. And so, and, and this is the process. This is how you live, free from condemnation. There's no Christian that should feel condemned. Now, if you go back to living in the flesh and playing around with the devil, you're gonna feel condemned. But I'm talking about walking in the spirit. And allowing God to have you live a carefree life. Free from sin. Free from the penalty of sin. Once you are forgiven you must believe that the blood has freed you from condemnation. And you resist and say no devil you can't condemn me I'm forgiven. He tries to bring it back to your mind. Look at what you did. You said this to that person. You ever just sit up and just out of nowhere a thought will come to you. That's him. You think about something you did in third grade. And that's been so long ago. And you think to yourself, oh yeah, I was a, I, oh Lord, I wish I, could you, could you let that person know that I'm not a bad person or just let them know you love them or just cut it out. You go back through every wrong situation in your unsaved life, you'd be at it for a while. Huh? That doesn't exist anymore. So quit trying. That's the devil trying to get. He he'll find you in a good mood, and then bring to your remembrance something that happened so long ago. It has no power over anybody anymore. And when you come into the kingdom, if God needs to go back and reconcile people and help them to to get free from the burden of what you did to their lives, He does that. You find people around that's been beat up, that's been molested, that's been tortured and all this kind of stuff. And they're carefree and happy. What happened? The blood. Freedom from the the power of things done against them. So they don't condemn anybody and they don't feel condemned. So so these things we have been freed from, folks. This world is using condemnation to keep people bound. So God wants us to know our freedom in him. Stay away from this stuff. Get to know your advocate better than you've ever known anybody before. And run to him because he has all your answers and he will keep you free. Amen. Alright well Father we do thank you for your law, your word. Helping us to know how to apply your word to our everyday situation. So Lord we just thank you and we bless you in Jesus name. Amen. Anybody need prayer? Come on up I'll pray for you. Thank you Jesus.
I just need some true worshipers to stand to your feet right here.